to the Joel Osteen for Dummies podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. And if that threw you for a loop, uh, hopefully it did because this is Theology Doesn't Suck. If you're looking for the Joel Osteen podcast, you're going to have to go elsewhere, my friends. Anyway, welcome to Theology Doesn't Suck. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Josh Patterson, and with me today is my good friend, Marty Frederick. What's going on, Marty? Hey, man. I like your shirt right now. It's a Um, nice shirt. It's too bad for everybody. Like everyone that listens to this podcast, you never get to see us. And I got to be honest, Josh and I are two pretty handsome guys. I mean, it's pretty true. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you ask, ask our wives, that's probably what they'll tell you. I mean, I, I ask, <laughs> I ask my wife often and she kind of looks at me kind of funky. And so I guess I have to just believe that inside she thinks that I'm handsome, but maybe things have gone astray. It's, ah. you know, I mean, you know, I mean, it's been almost 10 years that we've been married. I mean, it's got to get old looking at the same person every day. Sure. You know, but we are, <laughs> but we are handsome. Yeah, that's There's good. No that's true. That. That's fair. Well, yesterday, Marty, I was, uh, so in, in the house that Noel and I just moved into back in Maryland, if you guys didn't know that Noel and I are back in Maryland now, which is awesome. Um, we have like one of those sinks in the bathroom that has two sinks. So I have one Aww. and Noel has one. Yeah, That's it's cute. cool. And so we were getting ready for bed and I like parted my hair down the middle and brushed it to both sides. And it looks <laughs> so ridiculous. Like, <laughs> you know, those memes that you like where they're like, you know, use the name Karen. Like, yeah. I would like to talk to your manager. That's what I looked like. You and, looked like a, a Karen haircut girl. Yeah. That wanted to talk to the manager like right now. <laughs> Noelle hated it. She was like, dude, you're creeping me out. Don't do that. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you move to the country. You got to make some changes. I'm noticing you also, you're growing this goatee. That's oh, yeah. Thing. Yeah, that's that's my uh, my redneck goatee. But also. Or is, or, or, or is that like new from like a year ago and you just haven't shaved and that's just what happened? Yeah, probably. Well, actually, no. So um, I did shave recently and then it like grew back much thicker and better so it's working out for me i'm finally catching up marty i mean give me another five six years and i might be able to grow a beard we might have to we might have to change the podcast image and make your face like get some facial hair you know (laughs) because mine's got all this it's mine's like bunchy and like big on the podcast so we may have to add some to yours but there is i noticed you added some some hairs of splendor to my my, my image as well. I did. It has some nice gray in there just to be realistic. Just so people know. Just Proverbs does say that gray hair is a crown of splendor. So okay. I'm That's wearing fair. my crown here on my <laughs> beard. And then eventually I know that as I get older, it'll be on my head. Good. So. That's smart. That makes sense. Well, Josh, you know, we've got some pretty awesome guests uh, this week on the podcast. And I know that sometimes we spend a little bit more time talking about stupid stuff uh, <laughs> my grandmother no actually... hates that, by the way. She's always <laughs> like, why don't you guys just talk about the freaking stuff on the podcast and shut up? She always says that. <laughs> well, it's really cool that your grandma listens to our podcast. Hi, grandma. Hi, Josh's grandma. I think we've met once before. So. Probably. Her name's um, Carolyn. Hi, Carolyn. You're special. We, we're, we're glad you're a listener. Um, but, Josh, we have, in my opinion... Now, this is my opinion, and I would even put this over the one time we had a guest on that talked about adult believers baptism. Um, <laughs> that was that was me. Um, these are going to be my, these are definitely going to be my favorite guests that we've ever had on the podcast. But uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be our listeners favorite guests also. Um, 
So we have a couple friends of mine on the podcast today, uh, Michael and Angie Webb. How's it going, guys? Hey, guys. Hey, we're enjoying we're enjoying your conversation, and I just want to encourage you, Marty, about what you, you talked about your wife. The, with the words of Paul, though the outer man is wasting away, you're you're being renewed day by day on the inside. So that's, that's really right. all that <laughs> Very that's good. exactly right. So, uh, Michael and Angie, um, so as, as many of you who listen to the podcast know, Josh and I worked together uh, in South Florida for a number of years, and we we got a chance to know each other really well. Uh, the cool thing is, is I actually got to work alongside Michael uh, for a few years before I even knew that Josh was a person. So this was when Josh was still <laughs> probably like in high school, um, uh, which he just graduated uh, a couple Last months ago year, from, yeah. from high school. So <laughs> congratulations to Josh. Um, but uh, so I worked with Michael uh, in Washington state. So literally I've lived in so many places. I've lived in Chicago, Michigan, Boston, uh, two hours north of Seattle, which is where Michael and Angie are now. I've lived in South Florida and now I'm back in Chicago. Um, and so this episode is really cool. As you've seen on the, um, uh, as the title of the podcast this week, uh, Michael and Angie, uh, have a really awesome, interesting experience of life, uh, that they'd like to share with us today. They actually, uh, were a part of the Mormon church for a number of years, uh, which is an understatement of the century. Um, so, uh, really what I want to do today is just give them a chance to kind of share their story, share a little bit about who they are and, you know, just kind of share some cool stuff about them. So, uh, guys, I'm going to turn it over to you and we just, we're looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Okay. Cool. Well, <laughs> okay, where do you probably, want to start? I'll, well, I'll probably start with Angie, but just, we want to make, yeah, uh, 44 years for me in the Mormon church and, mm. and how many for you before... Uh, let's see, probably, are we talking baptism date or just... No, we're just talking about when you finally, six years after me. 36 years or something like that. And, and we weren't nominal members. We were all in. And I I like to say that because it wasn't like we were just on the outskirts going, no, this is is okay. No, we were believers, big time believers. I was a a missionary, you know, the guys that ride bikes and knock on doors. I did that (laughs) in the South in 1981 to 1983. And, uh, yeah, we were all, all in. Well, and also in Mormonism, it's a big deal to count your Mormon stock. So how, what is your heritage? And both of us come from, um, pioneer polygamous stock. So my great grandmother was the daughter of, um, polygamist, uh, parents. She had three moms. So I've read her journals. It's interesting to see how, how normal it feels to them in writing it in their journals and also just the pain that comes through, but that's not really ever acknowledged. But yeah, I mean, all the way back, Michael has um, pioneer heritage people that walked across the plains, pushing hand carts to get to Salt Lake city and their children and their children and their children yeah. and us. And so both of us are one of the few people who have left um, and kind of broken that cycle. And so it's within kind of, our families, within our families. Right. So it's kind of a big deal, um, for us, but also for our families, it's, it's hard and, and painful for them. Um, many of them to kind of see, see that process and, you know, they're going to put their own spin on it. But just to give you an idea, um, so Mormonism is sort of, you know, like any kind of Orthodox religion where, it's not just about, you know, the tenets of your belief, but it, it's these guideposts that define your entire life. So 
um, from the time you're young, my experience was it was all about prepping to eventually meet someone and get married in a Mormon temple. That was the whole thing. This is what you're going to do. Make sure that you live worthy of that. So there are certain things that you have to, to be doing in order to get what they call a temple recommend. So from the time you're very young, that's expected. Um, it starts with, you know, at birth, you're given a baby blessing. At eight years old, you get baptized. That's the age of accountability in Mormonism. So everyone gets baptized at age of eight. Um, then if you're a male member at the age of 12, you receive what they call um, priesthood authority. And that goes all the way until, you know, your missionary age, which in Mormonism is 19. Um, and then you're expected to go on a mission, even though they say it's a choice. It's not really. They, they really do expect you to go. So There's a great stigma if you don't. I mean, you can stay home, but then all the girls were looking for return missionaries or what they call RMs. And if, you, if you're not one of those, your chances are a little slim to get the girl you want to get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so I would say my upbringing in Mormonism was very positive. I grew up in Denver, so it wasn't like living in Salt Lake City, which is where we raised our kids. Um, so, you know, you actually had friends that weren't Mormons, which is kind of not how it is in Utah. Um, and so I, you know, I felt um, privileged. I felt chosen. I felt special. I felt um, I had great parents who loved me. Um, I felt like it was my job to set an example for other people on how they should live their life. Kids in high school used to sing little songs about me. I had good friends, um, outside of the church and inside the church, but I think undergirding all of this was just this unbelievable pressure of perfectionism because Mormonism is basically behavior modification. It's just a really strict behavior modification program where you are um, constantly interviewed by leadership to see if you're on the right track. Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Oh, we're so proud of you. Look at you. You are. Or, oh, you better get on track. Um, and so it's just a lot of pressure, but you don't know that that's what it is. As you're going through, it just feels yeah. like it feels normal. You feel very special. There's no doctrine of depravity at all in Mormonism. You are already a child of God because you lived with God before you were sent here to get a body. So you already have the divine in you. It's not like adoption in the Christian faith. It's not like, you know, it's, it's, it's you're already his child. You have divine potential. You're special, special, special. Yeah. <laughs> and what happens later is you find out that really isn't true. And it's called the beautiful letdown or the horrible crash. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt, but it's, I mean, both of us in our experience, there's no way in the world we would have dreamed we'd ever leave the church. No way. Yeah. It was the, I mean, I'm knocking on doors in the South, okay, you know, uh, the Bible Belt, and explaining that we are not only, you know, a, a Christian faith, we're the only true restored Christian faith, the only ones with the authority of God. If you were baptized by somebody outside of the Mormon authority, if your baptism didn't count, I mean, I might not have said that point blank, but it, yeah. it was nothing we would ever ever dreamt of leaving. I was a recording artist in the Mormon Church. Now, yeah, that's not like the Christian recording. That's it's 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 a joke compared to that as far as size <laughs> and quality. I'm not saying there weren't great talent. There was great talent. Yeah. And, but 
<laughs> but I mean, I would do firesides, they call them, which is gatherings of people, mostly youth or young adults, uh, all across the country. People would fly me out. I would share my music and my testimony of Jesus, because Jesus was huge to people in the Mormon church. But they don't, I mean, I, I would go to this bookstore and get into fights with the bookstore owner of the Christian bookstore who would say, you don't believe in the same Jesus. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I, I have the Bible right here. I believe this. You know, th- these are things that happen as God opens your eyes. But it's just something we never dream, we never leave. And so I guess get to the point eventually how, how that happened. But I, you were. Yeah. Well, and also in Mormonism, you believe in what's called a preexistence. Right. And so I think one of the things that's hard for Mormons when they leave is to realize all Christians don't believe in that. It's shocking to them. Like my sister went to a transitioning out of Mormon class at a Christian church and they said, oh, no, 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 that's we don't believe in a pre-existence. And she was so devastated. She left the class and never went back and is still trying to figure out how to fit into Mormonism because Mm. the loss of something you believe in is hard to let go of if it makes sense to you. Because um, in Mormonism, you believe you have a heavenly mother and Mm. a heavenly father who are just like parents on earth who had billions of spirit children who they sent to earth at certain times throughout history. And if, if you're born now, you're, you were saved to be sent in the last days. Which makes you even feel more special. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you're, you're chosen, you're special, and Jesus needs you to do his work. So, you know, you go from the time you're 12, you can get a temple recommend to go do what's called baptisms for the dead. And that's mm. where you go into a temple and you are baptized in the name of someone who has died. So the church will collect through genealogy all of these, you know, millions of names of deceased, of people. deceased people. And you, because it's your job as a Mormon to do the temple work um, for all people who have ever lived, which is kind of interesting because we don't have historical records. Back to Adam. Hello, everyone. But you don't think about that kind of stuff when you're in in it. You're like you don't you don't, you don't go outside the the you know this. Yeah, you don't think at all, other than what how they tell you to think. So it feels normal to you. And then um, so, but I just so you you got you're in a baptismal font, and a guy is like, I baptize you four and a half of who so and so who was dead. Dunk. And then he did it again about a hundred times. Dunk. And and it doesn't occur to you. Wait a minute. You tell me Jesus needs us to do this because he can't somehow save people some other way. We have to do this. Everybody has to be baptized somehow. No, it just yeah. never occurs to you. Yeah. 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 And so then as you're getting ready to either go on a mission or get married, you go through an endowment session, which is, is a temple ceremony where you go and make covenants with God um, to live a certain way. And then he's going to then bless you to have certain things in your life if you do all these things. The interesting thing about that is they do not tell you anything in the temple prep classes about what it is you're about to get into. So you'll go into the session, sit down in a room that's, you know, part of a multi-million dollar building and it's beautiful. And everyone else you know and love is also doing the same thing. So that already is sort of... um, preparing you to kind of let go of your fears because, well, this is normal to all the people I care about. So I guess I'm going to have to, you know, dig in. And so the first thing they say is a voice comes over the speaker 
before anything is even taught that says, if any of you do not want to go through with this session, you are free to leave now. Yeah, if you don't want to make these covenants and, you know, you're free to leave. Well, who's going to leave? you got your family, your friends, everybody mm-hmm. looking at you. So. And plus, they don't tell you what's about to happen. Yeah. So leave what? You don't know. You know, <laughs> there's no. And you're told that you are not to speak about what happens there. Um, outside of the temple. So you can't ask questions. You can't discuss it with people, you know? Mm. Uh, So you go through, you know, different things, put on different clothing, make all these different covenants. It feels super weird. Um, But, you know, as a Mormon, you you talk yourself into the holiness of it all. I want to say something there. So I go to the temple back for my first time in the early 80s, because I'm, you know, old, and uh, <laughs> I, I did not like it. I mean, it was so uncomfortable. Not anything weird, sexual, nothing like that goes on there. Some people, you know, they go off on these. That's not true. But back when I went, you're making covenants that you're promising not to talk about otherwise, and you make all these signs of how you can be killed, like I will suffer my life to be taken, or through the bowel, or, and it's like, what? 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 Yeah, is if this? you ever reveal the signs and tokens of what you've been given. Yeah, now they changed that just before she went because it made you know, and it was even worse back in the 30s and 40s. So it's, I just I didn't, but you don't feel like you can talk to mom or dad about it, like, dad, I, that was weird. What? Because <laughs> no, no, just keep going. If you keep going, you'll get it and you'll learn more. And so it's more. They just kind of jump on the bandwagon and and think repetitional. And so this is what happens. Even yeah. though I hated my first experience. I end up through my life going multiple times and talking, trying to talk myself into it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a bizarre. Exactly. It's bizarre. And anyway. you end up wearing, at that point, after your endowment session, you end up wearing the temple garment, which is underwear. So you buy these underwear through the temple store, and they have sacred markings on them that are supposed to represent things that are supposed to protect you both physically and spiritually, and you're, you're instructed in your interview with your Mormon ecclesiastical leader to wear them night and day, you can remove them if you're showering or if you're swimming or if you're exercising, but all other times they need to be worn. And they go down to your knee and they cap um, on your sleeve. So that's why Mormons are always wearing very um, overly modest clothing, even in the dead heat of a 105 degree day <laughs> in Utah, right. because you are to be covered up. And so that's kind of another one of the things that you do, but it's all sort of, sort of fear-based because they tell you it's a protection. So what does that tell you in your head? If I don't mm-hmm. wear them how they say, I'm going to be left unprotected. Yeah. And yeah. so it, it, it's very controlled, but you know, you don't know you're controlled until you're no longer controlled. You don't know what you don't know till you till you yeah. know something different. And not only fear based in that realm of but but you you're sitting in the temple and part of it's a film and the person playing the devil in in the back where Adam, Adam and Eve Genesis, you know, he looks straight at the camera before he's ejected from the garden by God. Uh, I have something to say to these people. If they don't walk up to every covenant they make at the altars of this temple this day, and he looks right at the camera, they will be in my power. And so you you, you live this life of of feeling like you're going to offend the divine if you if you do anything wrong. And then so everybody puts a smiley face on a church, and you you just don't. It's just right. It's so hard to explain, but it it is a very fear based religion very shame-based religion, which is how I believe the leaders keep everybody coming back because they feel like they have to in order to somehow appease the God 
that yeah. they're worshiping. Yeah. Does make any sense? I don't know. That's yeah. Right. So and there's. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, no, go ahead. Here's more you had to say. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was just going to say, wow, do you have four hours? Because we could go on forever. <laughs> but Mormons that are true believers right now would hear this and going, that's not true. That's not right. That's not how I. But it is. Um, I, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> and yet, um, because God is who he is, we had. I think he uses whatever you have. Um, you know, he can reach through that. So there were certain things for both Michael and I where um, Jesus was absolutely reaching out to us, like yeah. in powerful ways. But we didn't, we may not have really realized that what was happening, but looking back, um, you know, we can see signs of that, you know, because I, I will say that I, I believe personally that when anybody reaches out to God with sincerity, he's not going to go, ah, you know what? You haven't completely given your life to me. Forget it. Sure. I mean, I believe he is reaching people always. He's always searching and reaching. He's the pursuer. And so he will go after everyone. And um, we can see those places in our lives, even as Mormons, where he was pursuing. So, and it was yeah. us. There, there are Mormons like us, many, many Mormons that love, all Mormons love Jesus. But well, for some, well, they do. But for <laughs> some, um, Jesus becomes uh, one of many important things. Yeah. And for others, that's true. But it's also like, no, there's something about Jesus. I got to have him. I need him, which is where we kind of were. So I would say there are many Mormons that I, I would never say an individual Mormon is or isn't a Christian inside or, or a believer they, they can't stand mormonism if they really realize yeah, they're a believer sure. right but i would absolutely also say that the church as an organization is absolutely not a christian organization yeah. i don't care if the name of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints they'll always throw it out because it's not what a church says they believe that matters it's what they emphasize and mm. christ is not, not ever 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 the emphasis no and I, you know, Jesus is all sprinkled through there with closing prayers in the name of Jesus. But it, you go to a meeting, Marty, or, or Josh, you go, why were they talking about that? Like, yeah, it's never we would get so frustrated. And once a month, they have a meeting where members go up and just share their testimony, their witness, whatever you call it. And we we rarely is Jesus even part of the yeah. stuff <laughs> on the pulpit. And that's the stuff that started wearing away, I think, both of us that eventually led us. Yeah. There's other things that helped lead us out. But yeah. that's where going, something is really missing here. Am I the only one that sees the emperor has no clothes? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, very well said. And I would say that with Mormonism, everything is based on emotion. And so that's mm. been an interesting thing as we transition out. Uh, I think even in Christianity, people relying so much on their emotions because our emotions are a gift from God. I mean, one of my mm-hmm. my most um, connecting spirit experiences with the Lord is during worship, you know. Mm-hmm. But if we're honest, that's also a very emotional experience. And so mm-hmm. you have to have, um, you know, the Word of God backing up everything because you can derail on your emotions. The Bible yeah. says we yeah. can't trust them, you know. And so... I think Mormonism trusts their emotions and they are having legitimate spiritual experiences about the Book of Mormon, about God. And so that's frustrating for people. We'll clarify that legitimate about maybe God or when you say no, I mean, there are forces in the world giving people experiences. And so if you're having an emotional experience, 
and you are told that's from God, right. then of course you're going to believe it's from God. When that kind of stuff happens, you're told and taught all from youth on, that's the Holy Ghost. Yeah. yeah. They, that's, right. you, you could show them current facts now that have been revealed, like the DNA in Book of Mormon. There's no proof of any kind that they came from Jerusalem, the Indians here, or, or, or the Book of Abraham, which is an LDS scripture that was shown to be a fraud. All that you can, but, but because they felt the Holy Spirit tell them this is, Joseph Smith was a prophet, this is his church, that overrides facts yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, the, so all of that is like there's and, I, and I'm sure because I've talked to you guys before about these things. And so I know that like there is about and I'm not saying this in a in a in a weird way. There's probably a 100 hours of like different experiences that I know you guys have all had or and not not only the two of you, but also your your kids that you've been through different things um, and kind of seen different things and heard different things and. Uh, I've had conversations with all all of you about those things. Um, but so one of the things that I'm really curious about, and I, if you guys have already kind of been touching on this a little bit, is um, talk a little bit about like what that transition looked like for you guys coming from Mormonism into Christianity. And, and, I, and I say those things, those two words, Mormonism and Christianity, as separate entities, because as you guys have kind of already mentioned and said, like they are very much different. Um, and so talk about what that looked like. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm curious individually, but then I'm also kind of curious as to like what it was like for your kids and like what it was like for your family and like how that felt and, you know, from both of you. And I know that it's completely different experiences. So I, I'm just really curious and I'm sure our listeners are too. Well, let me just set it up by saying one thing, and that is, um, the, the Mormons have something called the 13 Articles of Faith, and one of the articles... Kind of like a creed in there. Yeah. It, it's it, One of the Articles of Faith states that uh, we believe the Bible to be the Word of God as far as it is translated correctly. Okay, <laughs> so that, that little caveat makes, makes Mormons read the Bible with great distrust because... Anytime they come across something that contradicts the Book of Mormon or something they've been taught, they can go, oh, that must be the part that's been translated incorrectly. And they don't even understand what translation means. They don't understand that actually it's been translated, you know, with 99% accuracy because it's a translation. We're not talking about (laughs) whether it lines up with their doctrine or not. But that, that is a huge stumbling block. So they don't even read it. They'll read the Book of Mormon a ton, and they'll say, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God, but no, they don't. They really don't. And so that one little thing, I believe, is the way the enemy gets in, and it's like one of the things that Michael says, you know, if you give people just enough Jesus, it's like an inoculation where they don't ever get him at all. Mm, So little doses. And sort of a sidebar to that, I remember your son, Ethan, telling me a story about being in school and uh, one of his teachers was began ripping pages out of the Bible, uh, explaining how important to show how little importance the Bible actually was in comparison to the Book of Mormon. Uh, but at the same time, holding the Bible up as a really important piece of, you know, of scripture and something that they'd read, but then ripping pages out to kind of is like a, an extreme example. So that that that's just sort of a sidebar, but that's a story that I always remembered him, him telling me about. 
And he sat there thinking, like, what are you doing? Why are you, you can't do yeah. that to the Bible. <laughs> so here's a great example. Here's my son, thank goodness the Holy Spirit fell on him right there saying, this is not okay. Something's wrong here. But I would guarantee that 90% of the class were like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Bible can't totally be trusted. I see what you're saying. Because in that Book of Mormon, Joshua holding up, it literally says about the Bible, doesn't call it the Bible, yes, that the enemy has taken through, uh, I guess, men, plain and precious things out of it. And so it's missing, you know. And yet when you go to the Book of Mormon, you can find nothing about unique Mormonism, like temples and baptism for the dead and all the things that really make them unique. None of it's in the Book of Mormon. Hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's just kind of a bizarre thing that people, again, don't think about. I don't know why that is. Yeah. And the Book of Mormon is very monotheistic. And so it doesn't, it, yeah. it's weird because it's almost... Uh, Christianese, if you will, which is, is, I think, why people are drawn to it, because it, it really doesn't have any, you know, weird Mormon doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah so, I've, go ahead, Josh. Oh, I was going to say, I've heard just from, so I have a, a really good friend of mine uh, who is a Mormon, and actually they gave me this book <laughs> of mm-hmm. Mormon that I have in my hand. Uh, they're the ones that gave it to me, um, and they've been in the Mormon church for a while, but um, it seems like and through my experience of, you know, studying Mormonism, it seems like what you're saying, uh, they use a lot of the same language. Mormons tend to use a lot of the same language, but they mean very different things from how Christians yes. might mean something. And yes. then also, I think it's interesting. Um, I like that you pointed out the bit about, you know, the Bible as far as it's translated properly. Um, you know, and then, you know, you can trust the Book of Mormon because that seems like a very uh, convenient argument to make, <laughs> you know. So, yes. yeah, because Joseph Smith taught that the Book of Mormon is the most correct of any book and men will get closer to God by abiding by its principles than any other book. And so you've got the founder of the, the Mormon Church who everybody basically idolizes, including me for most of my you know first 40 years of my life. And, yeah, so you really buy into all that stuff. Mm, and so yeah. what happens, Marty, back to your question. So some, somewhere along 2004-ish, you know, I started feeling really, really troubled inside of – it was I – think, I think it began way before that because I was – here I am, this very Mormon guy, but I loved Christian music. Mm-hmm. Stephen Curtis Chapman of all – because his lyrics – you know, he, he he's, you know, he's old hat to you guys probably, but his lyrics. No, are so, no, no. You know that I, like I love Stephen Curtis, Curtis Chapman. Me too, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I believe God put him in my path, so to speak, because his lyrics, and many of them are, are so biblically, you know, saturated. Mm-hmm. And so I was hearing all these things, and I believe that that, that was the first seeds that were being planted, and trying to make myself believe, yeah, we believe that, yeah, we believe that. It was It's this constant thing inside yourself going, yeah, we're the same, aren't we? Uh, you know, it's just this really weird thing. But some, So so that's happening for years and years and years, because that started in the mid-'80s I started with that stuff. So come along, 2004, I'm writing songs for the B, a BYU Mormon youth camp. This is where it sort of started really going downhill for me as far as going, this is not right. I'm writing songs, and I write this song called "I Was Made to Praise Him." Now, that's not a that's not a, a, a thought that Mormons really have. Like that, the creeds teach us that that's one of our primary purposes here is to praise our God, right? Yeah. But that is not a Mormon thought at all. So, it, it received great opposition from the from the people deciding what songs were going on the album. And one of the people in the committee actually said, "I was made to praise Him." That just doesn't resonate with me. So when I heard that, that sort of 
made me start going something that I'm not in the same universe as my Mormon friends and family at all. Something's ha- something's not right here. And so it just began to stir and stir and stir. And I'm not going to go into the whole story, but all I can tell you that it, that it drove me to my knees for over a year to my face on the floor going, I want the truth, whatever it is, just especially about grace and about the nature of God and the cross, because the cross is also taboo when Mormon has been away. But we don't focus on the cross because in Mormonism, the atonement happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. The cross was a necessary part of it, an add-on. They might disagree with me, but that's exactly how it's taught. And anyway. You, Can you elaborate on that a little oh, bit? What do you mean by um, that it, the atonement happens in the garden? Can you explain that so a little in bit? The garden, and he's saying, let this cup pass, and he starts bleeding from every pore, as it were. They think that's where the, the weight of our sin and all that came upon him and that's where he that's where it was all taken care of was okay. in the garden it's called the garden atonement and i'll never forget hearing the current uh, you know uh, pa- thomas mawson get up as he when he was the prophet saying how thankful he is for the atonement in the garden and i was just my whole soul was screaming how was that a blood atonement how was that a lamb being slain <laughs> how was that you know what i mean sure this when i had just come out like i i it, 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 it's all so but see, that's that's what Mormonism does. It will take a truth and just twist it ever so slightly and put you on a different path. Where it's a eventually it's a distraction, but eventually you're a thousand miles away. So, so it's not the cross, it's the garden. It's not the Bible, it's the Book of Mormon. It's Yeah. And, and so yeah, the cross is important to him, but it's not the focus at all. And so if you were to say to them, Well, we believe we're saved by grace, they would say, Yes, we believe that too. What they mean by that is they believe there's a universal resurrection resurrection for all people and that when people die, they will be divided into three kingdoms of glory. Mm -hmm. The celestial kingdom is where faithful Mormons go only. That's the top kingdom where you will be married and create your own planets and have become gods and have gazillions of kids. Now, Mormons don't like talking about that because they know it sounds weird anymore. But when I was growing up, that was a huge thing talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even our kids recently, you know, before they left Mormonism, were taught that. So Mormons <laughs> like to shy away from that because it sounds weird, right? But it's absolutely taught. The middle kingdom is for people who believe in Jesus and are good people. That's called the terrestrial kingdom. That's so that's where guys. all people like us you. and you are going to go. <laughs> no, 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 good no, stuff. Terrestrial. Got it. We're in the fourth, we're in the fourth spot, which is outer darkness, because we are apostates. Yeah. Mm. The third. All of these kingdoms are kingdoms of glory. The third kingdom is the celestial kingdom, and that's where the murderers go and, and the, the bad people. Um, but see, as you can see, it's all divided by behavior, right? But so yeah. everyone will go. So they believe sort of in a universal salvation in that way. But getting to, uh, getting to kingdoms is completely based on your faithfulness and on keeping totally. behavior. And you make promises in the temple it all says this is predicated upon your obedience. In fact, there's a scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants, which is another book of scripture that Joseph Smith wrote that goes along with the canon. And he said uh, that um, there is all, a law. Yeah, there's, there is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven that basically every blessing comes from obedience to yeah, that law. All blessings. And if, and if you don't, then you have no promise that God isn't, yeah, you know. Yeah, all blessings are predicated upon obedience. It's a tit for tat. God is in your debt. If you do this, God does this. Right. It's wow. very, very much that way in Mormonism. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would say for me, it's the same kind of a thing because I um, 
went to these Christian concerts with Michael. And one of the things Stephen Curtis Chapman did was he recommended a book called What's So Amazing About Grace by Philip Yancey. And both of us read it. And I think that was the starting point for me through the Holy Spirit to go, what? Like, it's all grace? Like, 100%? And, and I really believed it. So that started the thing for me. But what you end up doing, Marty, is you go down this thing where you're like, okay, so I'm learning something about grace. I'm hearing something from the Word of God, meaning the Bible, but I didn't know that at the time. Okay, so what that means is that maybe there's a few problems with the Mormon church, and so what needs to happen is that Jesus needs to come back and fix it, but it's still the one true church. So you start to, to have this like dissonance as you're transitioning out. But um, Yeah, it's never cut and dry, rarely. It's always this process of yeah. stuff you put on the back shelf, and eventually the shelf breaks. Yeah, the, but I think yeah. for us, and the reason we feel so grateful is that our shelf crashed because we missed Jesus. Like, yeah. where is God? Many Mormons leave and become agnostic or atheist because if there's no one true church, I can't trust or believe in anything. You know, there can't be anything trustworthy. And then they'll find sources that say Jesus wasn't even historical. And if he did leave, he was a good man. He was a prophet. But certainly it's brutal to think that he went through some atonement. So they go that direction. They go completely polar opposite. But one of the experiences I wanted to share was that I was reading the New Testament, the King James Version, of course, because that's the only one that they will recommend and let you read. Um <laughs> But I was reading the Testament. Um, this was probably, I don't know, five years before I left. Um, and it was the story of the rich man who was, you know, asking Jesus what he had to do to get into the kingdom. And Mormons take this so literally, well, you have to do this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, I've done all those things for my youth. Is there anything else? And he says, well, sell everything you have and give to the poor. And he went away sorrowing because he was very wealthy. And then the disciple, here's the key point, say to him, whoa, what do we have to do to be saved then? Like, Who, who can be saved? Yeah, then? like for crying out loud, if that guy can't be saved, there's no hope for any of us. And Jesus says, with man, this is impossible. With God, everything is possible. And that yeah. stuck out at me like, oh, like, it's not about what we do. It, it, we can't do anything. It's totally God. And so the Lord was teaching me through the New Testament as a Mormon the truth right. of the gospel. And so those little seeds, many stories like that, were happening along the way. It was like okay, so, he was drawing us and teaching us. So back, I'm going to just make a really quick transition to you because then that's what happened was happening over the years with Christian music. And, but then in 2006, I'm on my face for five to six. I'm on my face for a year like I want the truth. And then I pick up the Bible again, which I'd read, and I'm reading the whole Bible again. And after that reading, and I say that I've told this story, this is the truth, though, you guys. After that reading of the Bible, I realized that I've been going to church every week for my entire 44-year existence, but never once heard the gospel. Hmm. Yeah. Never. And that was such a paradigm thing. It's shocking. All these scriptures— from the Bible, jumping out at me like he who you know knew no sin was made sin for us, and he who you know he, he who works gets his wages, but the one who doesn't work but trusts in the one who saves the ungodly. I mean, all these amazing scriptures that make it so plain that it's all him, one hundred percent him, 
stand still and behold the salvation of God. Be still and, and watch God do your battle for you. All these things that I just never, I, that's where God, like Paul, had the scales fall off my eyes. <laughs> and I say that humbly, not like, look, I, I, I'm smart with that guy. He didn't get it. I'll never, ever be the same than to learn about the imputed righteousness and that I'm clothed in his righteousness and that he didn't just die this death I couldn't die. He lived the life I couldn't live. All these things began to make the only sense that ever made any sense. Hmm. And that, so that's really what happened to me. And so here I am going, okay, this is going to cause a problem. My wife's a Mormon, all my mother, my family, my brother, uh, her family, she's the oldest of nine children. We both, what, but I, I was so fell in love with Jesus so deeply at that Mm -hmm. moment that I didn't care. There was no other choice. It was Jesus was more important than anything. And praise the Lord, he put me with a woman who truly loved me and could see I was not on this like rebellious, like I just want to be an angry person. No, she could see I was and I'll let her take over. But a journey that was a quest for truth in my soul. And she wasn't moving herself, but she was this. I bring that up because this can be a deal breaker. You will have leaders in the Mormon church say divorce him. Yeah, divorce him. Because in Mormonism, as a woman especially, you can't go to the top kingdom without your husband. Period. Yeah, wow. you've got to be, and your husband brings you in. And so, it's a huge deal breaker because yep. well, if you, what do you mean you don't believe in the church? Well, uh, then what does that mean for my salvation? You know, it causes divorce. Yeah, the the, the church that's so family friendly. Hello, no, they're telling people you, you divorce him because you know. But if you're being abused by a man, or you stick with him, he's drinking. Well, you need to stick with him. But, and not but if a man's okay, but I'm just saying. Yeah. But if a man's questioning in sincerity the church, and you can you can almost deny Jesus, but you start denying Joseph Smith, you're out of there. You know. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, so all, all that to say, she could she loved me truly and could see it was a sincere search for me, and so that's kind of where it was. I I took off the underwear, which was the huge crash for her. Like I would put these garments on before I finally took them off and almost say, I pray to the Lord. I'm so sorry, Lord. I, I don't want to wear these. I don't believe they're of you. I believe they're of the other source basically. But what do I do? Angie's going to freak out. It was really a hard yeah, time. Hard. But finally I just yeah. went to said, I'm, this is it. I'm taking these off. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And he, Michael has said, and I think this has been a huge blessing. I mean, um, he started to listen to pastors online. He stopped going to church and would sit on the porch and listen to podcasts and learn everything he could. Yeah. But he has made the point that the the Bible is the only anti-Mormon book that, that he I've ever read. read. <laughs> uh, interesting. <laughs> it, it is interesting because it has the, the true gospel in it from, sure. from, from the beginning to the end. And if you read it, People would counsel us who were Christians, just read the Bible like a child. Take away all your presuppositions. Mm -hmm. Take away and just read it like a child, you know, especially start in the New Testament. Um, And so, you know, when you do that, like God's word is is powerful. It really is um, legit powerful. And that's all you need. Now, since leaving... Um, we've read tons of historical inaccuracies with Mormonism and things about Joseph Smith that are very troubling. And those are usually the things Mormons find first. And yeah, that's yeah. why they leave. Yeah. And I want to say I'm so grateful that's not the order it happened with us. For us, it was like all about truth and grace. And, and the, it wasn't 
that's what that's what converted and changed me. And then all that other stuff just confirmed, you know, confirmed. I don't know if I needed to be confirmed, but but I want to go back to that story as you lead into your story. I took off the garments, and it's the only time she's ever flipped me off. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> good job. <laughs> I don't know. Am I allowed to encourage that behavior? <laughs> Marty, have I ever flipped you off? I'm pretty sure I have. <laughs> You gotta understand, this is a girl that's never even said the word ever in her whole life. No, no, I was cut and dry. And, and so, yeah. so she literally puts her finger right in my face, you know, and leaves and goes snowshoeing. And what happens? Well, <laughs> let me just back up a little bit and just say, <laughs> like, you know, I felt like it's funny because we had moved um, to a, a small town. Michael was no longer. It was kind of a fresh start for us. So I found a flyer for a non-denominational church and handed it to him and said, hey, maybe you should check this church out. Of course, I wasn't interested. I was going to just keep going. But see what I mean? That's amazing. She, my Mormon wife, and I yeah. is saying maybe you should check this church out. But at the same <laughs> time, like, you know, I could tell he was unhappy. And ironically, I did not disagree with anything he was talking about. I, I, I would say, oh, yeah. But the fear is so big. It, mm-hmm. I, I would just say, well, maybe, you know, there's some things that are wrong with the Mormon church. I agree with you, but I'm going to just, I'm going to stay and see if I can make some positive changes. From the inside. <laughs> Which <laughs> never works. Um, <laughs> but I, you have to understand the level of fear because for him to take off his Mormon garments meant what? He was left unprotected, right? He was unprotected yeah. from the Holy Spirit. And basically denying the and faith, denying, God, everything. Yeah. I so, mean, that's a huge deal. So it, it felt threatening to me. Plus, I'm reading the writing on the wall, and now we have a mixed-faith marriage where how are we supposed to raise these kids? We have four sons who are who are future Mormon missionaries. This is the way we do it. We're, we're yeah. planning their lives out, and he's throwing a wrench in the way I had— envisioned our life was going to be. And so it was very frustrating to adjust to that. He left eight years before I did. Okay. So there was a lot of transitioning during that time, a lot of hard conversations, a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he made a mistake in trying to throw things in my face. Like, did you know Joseph Smith married 34 wives? And did you know he practiced polyandry, which is a practice, which means he met other men's living wives. Married other men's Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, and all it did, I would just look at him and go, I don't care. The church is true. Cause it, it just, you dig in your heels. The walls came up mm-hmm. even higher and stronger. It does not work. You have to just trust the Holy spirit to do the job that he's designed to do. And he will draw who he will draw period. End of story. So as soon as he got out of the way, yeah, uh, exactly. As soon as I got out of God's way and I repented for that, by the way, I'm going to back out and get out of your way, Lord. Then things really started happening. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, because he's powerful enough to do his own work. He doesn't need our help. You know, um, Marty, you said something like that recently. Well done. Yep. <laughs> That's right. I think last week on our episode last week, you said that Jesus doesn't need us to do. Yeah, literally. So every week I try to I try to give like a a bold statement of some type. And last week, my bold statement was Jesus doesn't need you to fight his battles. (laughs) But being Mormon, you absolutely grow up thinking he does 
need you, that Jesus isn't enough, and yeah. his grace really, truly, when it comes down to it, isn't sufficient, mm-hmm. you've got to help him. You've got to do your part, too. But back to your— uh, Well, I one little example of that, I was over at my parents' house because I am the oldest of nine kids. My dad was a Mormon bishop. I had a brother who was out on a mission in South America, and he was struggling. He was having a hard time. And um, they, at that time, they recently changed, but at that time, they could only call home on Mother's Day and Christmas. So the whole family would gather to have their, you know, two, you know, conversations. And my brother was saying he had been introduced to um, a Baptist minister out there, and he was a very kind man. He just was like, wow, this guy really loves Jesus. It was amazing. It was the most powerful experience I had on my mission. And as we were leaving, my missionary companion said to me, oh, brother, that guy doesn't get it at all. What, you know, what, what an idiot or whatever. <laughs> and, and so here's my brother having one experience and his companion yeah. having a completely different experience. And as he was explaining this, my dad, um, who I love, who's just such a tender soul, but he said, well, I mean, you know, the problem is um, that, you know, Christians only have Jesus to focus on. That's all they have. We, that's all they have. We have all Amen. All Praise God. <laughs> and so the irony, you know, I could tell Michael was just choking not to say something like, duh, you know. But, was this um, before you left? This is before okay. I left. But I was, I was on the verge. So basically to make a really long, long story with lots of details short, um, I started praying my guts out for, for Michael to come back and lead our family, to come back and be the priesthood holder that we really needed. And I love the outdoors and we lived in a small town in Utah, so I could go snowshoeing, um, up in the hills without even getting in the car. So I went on a snowshoe. Right after she flipped me off. This is when I told her I'd taken off the magic underwear. Yes. Uh (laughs) I need a pair of those. My wife might think they're cool. I don't know. (laughs) Just kidding. That's probably unfair. I shouldn't say so. I shouldn't make fun of people. Never mind. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Well, um, and you know, I mean, we've been pretty harsh here today and maybe said some hard things, but we also feel like it's our story. Sure. Absolutely. We're not coming from the outside saying Mormons or this or that. It was our lived experience. Yeah. So right. I feel like we, we've earned the, the the pain and the right yeah. to talk to talk about, you know, how damaging we feel like it is. But sure. anyway, I went on the snowshoe. I fell on my knees at the top of the hill and was like, God, please, please soften Michael's heart. Just help him come back, Lord. I mean, we just I know you can do this, you know, and then just continued on my snowshoe. And interestingly enough, over the next several weeks, a heart was softened and it was mine. I was so taken aback by, wait, 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 what is happening here? This is not what I asked for. But it was just this amazing thing where God started, it started with Michael is totally fine. Don't worry. You know, just a a feeling of that. Um, Just let go. Stop trying to push against it to my heart really starting to sense the truth of the gospel. And, you know, when I say God doesn't need our help, he doesn't need our help, but he he certainly encourages us to pray. I mean, prayer is powerful. And we had Christian communities all over the place praying their Mm -hmm. guts out for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, just having experiences, really believing that our family would come out and um, 
and that's what ended up happening. So. Yeah, so so Emma started coming to church with me because she feels God there more, and she's like eight years old at the time, maybe nine. And then she started coming occasionally. I was leading worship at this church. It was my first job as a worship leader. And she started coming just to support me, right, quote, unquote. But then just things started to to go yeah. a certain ground. Then Eli started coming. Ethan, bless his heart, was the last one who would get on his bike all by himself after we all went to the High Point Church where I was, and he would ride his bike alone to the Mormon Church thinking if he just did that and was faithful, God would get us all back to Mormonism. Yeah. It, breaks my heart think, it breaks my heart really thinking about yeah. In his reality, that was a painful, and he really yeah. felt like, okay, this is sure. just up to me. I've I, I got to, you know, but now you talk to him, he's like all in yeah. as far as Christianity goes. But the yeah. irony is, that, is that, so my whole family would, becomes converted here and baptized by this very pastor from the flyer. She hands me as a Mormon saying, maybe you got to check this out. That becomes a very church that all the rest of my family, except my two older boys, are baptized in. Yep. And it's it's a very moving to me it's such a it's such a powerful testimony because it's you know it's just like you said earlier angie and michael too how how god was providing opportunities for his grace to be seen even before uh it was realized and and i think everyone has that story um Mm -hmm. but for a lot of people it's you know i was you know i I was in some ditch somewhere wasted and god was providing (laughs) grace or you know, I was with this, I was in this terrible relationship, but God was providing grace. But like for you guys, this was like, you know, almost in the depths. I mean, like the like the true definition of the of the term wolf in sheep's clothing, uh-huh. uh, you know, just like God was providing grace, even amidst what it what seemed like grace had already been there for all this time. Um, yeah. And so. And I mean, and so in case anybody listening to this right now is kind of thinking like, oh, well, this is a great story. What I can tell you is like I've seen these two in ministry uh, as Christians and I can tell you like they're the real deal. <laughs> so like these, they yeah. like they they love they love Jesus, but only Jesus because that's all that's all they actually that's right. need. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. And they and they're and they are truly, you know, focused on like seeing the kingdom of heaven uh, become manifest here and on earth. Like they, they are truly interested in that. And that's like one of the things I know Josh is, is big on like, you know, being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That's something that's important to me too. Um, and so, and, and so I guess, so one of the, one of the things I'm kind of curious about to hear is, um, so I think a lot of our listeners, as we talked about before, may kind of look at Mormonism and know, and, and this was my experience, and honestly, until I met you guys as a family, I knew that Mormonism was a thing. I knew, I even, there was even a girl that like, as I was growing up, I kind of, in college, like we kind of had like a thing. And then she's like, well, I'm Mormon. And so the only way that we could ever date is if you became Mormon. And I was like, well, I'm not going to become Mormon because like <laughs> I'm, I, I follow Jesus, like I'm a Christian. And so, like, we just remained friends, and, like, that was it. And it was fine, you know, but I remember kind of still not realizing, like, what do you mean? Like, is this, like, you know, we, you can't date me because, like, you know, this one specific thing, and it isn't that big of a deal, but, like, to your family it is. Like, I couldn't quite tell how important and big that was to her mm-hmm. until I had met you guys and saw it mm-hmm. from your perspective, and then that opened my eyes a little bit. But I think a lot of people... I, I would say the majority of people that call themselves a born again Christian may have a lot of just overall misconceptions about Mormonism or may not 
see it as something completely separate. They might just see it as like, you know, we're going to we're going to list off all these Protestant denominations and Mormonism is kind of like Catholic. Like it's kind of like being a Catholic where it's pretty much the same. There's like one or two differences, but like we can just kind of write it off and say, oh, yeah, as Christians, it's the same thing. Um, what would you say are some of the things that um, really make it different? And so I, I want to be careful because I know you guys don't want to go too far into the whole like, you know, throwing stones kind of thing. I mean, and, and, and I don't want to put you in that spot. But what, what would you say are some things that really take like now that you've been Christians and you've you know, you've you've really kind of gone after that wholeheartedly. What are some of the pieces about being a Christ follower that are so different from your experience as a Mormon? And like, how does that how does that work together for you guys as far as like seeing like what Christ does as a Christian, as far as like what it was like as a Mormon? Like what are, I guess the, the overall question is, what are the differences? I guess. Well, no, no. Go ahead, yeah. OK, I, I listened to a lot of Tim Keller and uh. he, he just. He doesn't talk about Mormonism per se, but here, here's the first thing that comes to my mind in my heart. It's it's all it's the, all in the order of things. So Christianity would agree with Mormonism on step one. We've got to believe and have faith in Jesus. But step two in Mormonism, then you have to keep all the commandments, be obedient, do your work, your works, then you're saved. Mm-hmm. But in Christianity, and it's the only religion like this, you believe, then you're saved, period. You were, you weren't, you were. You weren't adopted, you're adopted. It's like that. It's not a process. Suddenly, you're crossed over, transferred to the kingdom of light. You cross over. But in Mormonism, that, that is the biggest difference to me, is the order. It's believe, obey, and then God will save you. But in the true gospel, it's believe, God saves you right then and there, you're objectively saved, even though subjectively you struggle all your life inside, but you're yeah. just done. Then from that place of being saved and loved so much from a God who created all this, who came down in the flesh, suffered the whole entire wrath of God dumped on him instead of us, living and fulfilling the law for us, you see all of that done before you've done anything, while you were still sinners. He did all of that. That's the place that you do works from. That's the place. So he brings them out of out of Egypt. They cross over. Then he gives them the law and says, this now as my saved people is how you should live. In community. In community. But it has nothing to do with merit. See, in Mormonism, you have to merit mercy. I can show you talk after talk in their general conferences that are worldwide how, yes, you're saved by grace, but it must be merited. Well, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> so that, that, Marty and Josh, to me, is the biggest difference that has changed my entire life. And the only thing that makes sense, everybody look in their human heart, they go, there's no other way it can be. There's no way that it can be me and Jesus, somehow me, you know, him coming in doing, like the Book of Mormon has a scripture, Second Nephi, chapter 25, verse 23. For we know that we are saved by grace after, after all, all we, we can, can do. <laughs> Another scripture in Moroni, toward the end of the book, that once you deny yourself of all ungodliness, then is his grace sufficient. Can you see the difference? Can you see the dilemma there? <laughs> Nobody can do that. Yeah. Nobody. What Mormon, what prophet all the way down to the common Mormon is even doing that? What Christian? And unfortunately, Christians get the order wrong all the time, too. They go, okay, I, I believe now i got to do these things. 
But in Mormonism, it's written into their theology. It's in their scriptures. Yeah. It's not just like a misunderstanding that we, as a default of the human heart, go to works. Yeah. It's no. This is the way it is in their scriptures, other than the Bible, that they believe is every bit, if not more, valid than the Bible. So that's where it becomes on steroids, this legalistic situation that just keeps you either in a place of utter pride because you think, yeah, I'm doing that, or I can never do that. I'm never going to make it. Uh-huh. So you say, are you a believer? Oh, I'm trying. Well, then you don't get it because it's not <laughs> about that. It's about believing and trusting in him only, and then you're done, and then you begin to be changed from the inside out, and your life, as it says in you know Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, you become the workmanship, doing works he's prepared beforehand. You become the poem of God. It's not the other way around. So that is my answer mm-hmm. on one of the very biggest differences. Yeah, and I would just say one of the dangers is, Marty, like you were saying, that you know the, the, the druggie in the ditch who heard the voice of God, even, even uh, Matt Chandler says he was saved in a bar in a drunken stupor. You know, I mean, those are the stories <laughs> yeah. you love because it's like, oh, yeah, you know. In Mormonism, the danger is that we think, we're already doing it. We, what are we doing that needs saving? I mean, mm. we're living lives. And, and so in, in Christianity, it doesn't matter how good you are. Your works are filthy rags. You, you are nothing compared to the glory of God. And Mormons don't get that because they believe that they are the literal offspring of God. Therefore, they are full of goodness. So if you don't know your need, then you're yeah. not going to pursue it. And in order to be saved, you have to know you need be, need to be saved, you know. Yeah, the idea, of, the idea like, of having to repent for your righteous works even would be so foreign to a Mormon. They're going, what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so to recognize, oh, like my depravity next to a holy God, it doesn't matter how good of a life I think I'm living. I am nothing. You know, I need saving. And we all have to come to that. And it's really hard for someone who's very works based and living a righteous life, quote unquote, to to come to that conclusion without, you know, the the inner workings of the Holy Spirit nudging you, you know. The beauty of Christianity is you come to that, I am nothing, but combined with that, if you don't get the other part, it's too bad, is that, but I am loved more than anything. Like, people in the world will go, well, that's a little self-esteem, that's terrible, that's a, no, it's, it's this combination of that I'm nothing without him, but in spite of the fact that I'm, this is what he, he loved me this much. Yeah. So we are the most loved and yet the most lacking, I don't know how, it's not, I'm yeah, not explaining yeah, it well, great. but. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I would just yeah. say too, that, um, you know, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's just what Michael was saying. It's just about, you know, trusting and being free in that knowledge. Okay. Because as a Mormon, when, when have I done enough? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When have I served enough? When have I paid enough tithing? When have I um, been nice enough? Um, So in Mormonism, every week they take what's called the sacrament. We call it communion, but it's to renew their their baptism, which they believe is salvific. You you can't be saved without baptism. Um, And so they renew that. They wash away the sins they committed all week, every week. Whereas Christianity, the freedom is once and for all. You know, I, I might screw up. I, I'm I'm going to have to continually bring my sin before God, um, you know, and, and be humble before him. But I, I was already saved. You know, there's there's a sense of freedom in that and not a freedom to go live however I want and then sin because 
Would you get married to your beloved and then go, okay, see ya. I'm going to go have multiple affairs. No, no, no. <laughs> you're you're going to live a life of faithfulness as, as well as you can because of your love for yeah. your spouse. It's, it's, it's that kind of a relationship um, with God, but much more, you know, he never breaks his part of the covenant period. It's not a, he keeps his covenant. If I keep my part and it's this mutual thing. No, his covenant is, is kept, but in Mormonism, it's, you're always at risk of losing, losing. Always. And so it's just fear-based. And I think yeah. what we have gained is freedom, but it takes time. Let me tell you the first time I smelled coffee in the car, knowing he was drinking coffee, I almost died. I almost had a panic attack because <laughs> we don't drink coffee as Mormons. That's that's a sin. <laughs> so um, way to go, Marty. You would make a yeah. very poor Mormon. <laughs> I would be an awful Mormon. And I remember Ethan Ethan telling me. So Ethan is one of Michael and Angie's do- uh, sons, and uh, one of the funniest stories he ever told me was Ethan is a very energetic boy. Uh, I guess man, I should say now he's, he was a boy when I was around him, but he's, he's much different now. (laughs) I've seen him in pictures and things like that. Um, and uh, he said that like he, he drank coffee, but it was, he was very nervous to drink coffee because he didn't know if it was going to be okay or not. And, uh, uh, I can only imagine what that experience was like. Your other son, Eli was telling me that he was even more energetic than normal, which is, which is hard for me to imagine. Uh, But I mean, and so, so what I'm hearing you guys kind of say, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, for the, the obvious part of it is, is that like when, for me, when I think about what Jesus has done for me and I think about the way that I've been redeemed through him and him alone, I mean, it's, it's, it's not different for you. I mean, Jesus has done that same exact work in you and and so what's what what I think helps me just to continually renew uh, what Jesus has done for me is to hear that from other people yeah. and to find out that although people have come from all different angles in mean, the 360 degrees, no matter where it's coming from, uh, it's always it's always always really the same story that Jesus yeah. has really done the same work. Um, and some of us, it was, you know, you know, from our human perspective, it seemed like, oh, man, like that person was like super far gone. Like that could never happen, you know. Um, but for some of us, we're like, oh yeah, I mean, they grew up in church, they had that experience their whole life, that kind of thing. But obviously for Jesus, like, you know, Tim Hawkins says, you know, like, man, I, I wish I grew up addicted to crack. You know, I don't have a good story. <laughs> but like the thing is, is that all of our stories are so valuable and so so useful for the mm-hmm. kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like my story is what it is, Josh's story is what it is, but it's not different for you. Uh, it's just different. The story, yeah. it's not mm-hmm. different, but it's different. The story is the same, but the way that you got there is just a different angle. Um, I guess my last question I would have, and then I'll, I'll let Josh ask any questions he has, um, is, uh, so our, many, many of our listeners, like we've talked about are Christians, uh, and they, you know, they are interested in seeing the kingdom of God, uh, you know, be manifest here on earth. And so how would the two of you recommend a, a Jesus confessing Christian, um, speak to a Mormon or talk to a Mormon? Or, um, is that something that would be sort of in one ear out the other kind of thing? I mean, what would you recommend? So if there's people listening that have friends or family that are Mormon, 
uh, and they've been praying for those people. They're they're wondering like, man, I just I, I want to see them get it. Like you guys are have got it. What would you recommend is a way that our listeners can go about that? Well, the number one thing I would say is just love people genuinely with no motivation of bringing them into the kingdom. Love them as Jesus would love them. You cannot have motivation or it won't be pure. For instance, our second son is an atheist. He's a physics uh, graduate student. He's an agnostic. And he is a brilliant, beautiful child who we do not feel pressure to yeah. somehow convert. Now, as Mormons, we felt that pressure. Oh, yeah. Of course we pray that, you know, he'll see uh, that God will pursue him and love him, but that's not my work. My job is to love my adult son um, and just wherever he's at. Now, if people ask questions and say, hey, tell me about this, then you should answer honestly in love, you know? This is how we see things different as a Christian. But you never want to go with a list of all the things that you disagree with because the walls yeah, are yeah. going to go up. They already disagree with you. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it's a waste of time. It's, it's, and I think we all get caught in that. We still have Mormon missionaries show up at our door all the time. And so I just say, hey, how is it going? Where did you guys come from? Um, you know, do you want to come in and talk? We left um, the Mormon faith, but we love Jesus and we'd love to tell you our story. And no one's ever taken us up on it. Uh, but it instead of an us versus them mentality, the more you create places where we're the same. I think for me, coming out of Mormonism was the great leveler. And it was such a freeing thing to go, I'm no better than anybody. I'm the same. Like it mm-hmm. felt so freeing because guess yeah. what? The burden of being special and chosen is heavy. It's heavy, <laughs> you know, and no one wants to feel that. And so, like, they're my brothers and sisters, and I can love them no matter what their backgrounds are. I There's no us versus them, and I think even Christians get into that. I don't care what your political ideologies are. I don't care if you're straight or gay. I don't care. I My job, now, I think that there's theology that backs up certain things, for sure. But my job is to love you. And if those questions arise, let's talk about it and let's be open with each other. But my job is to love you. I, I'm not supposed to throw how I view certain things on you. That's not my job. So Yeah, I would say a huge thing coming out of more is, is the way we look at just people. It's not like, oh, they could be a good Mormon or or gosh, you shouldn't be doing that. or It's not. It's like, that's a person. Uh-huh. And they yeah. have value and worth. And whether they want to hear what I have to say or not doesn't have any bearing on whether, uh-huh. you know what I mean? But in Mormonism, man, this, you, you show a little interest. As a non-Mormon, you, yeah, they're all there with fans, you know, food. And yeah, but the second you start, they're done with you. I mean, yeah. that sounds hard, but that's, that is looking at me outside, they're done with you. Okay, and so I would say, <laughs> on top of what Michael's saying, our struggle now, if we're going to be really honest, is to uh, love love Mormons the way we love everybody else. Yeah, that, because that, it feels... It feels <laughs> she's talking about me mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Michael gets a little threatened. Uh, threatened? It, no, I get put out. Pissed off, yep. Pissed uh, off, anyway, <laughs> But it does feel threatening because you you are distrusting you're like are they judging me what are they thinking about me what? are they and then you just you're just mad you're well, like see that's a different experience that i'm having i'm, I'm the people across the street just joined the mormon church and i'm thinking are you blind are you 
See, that's, that's my arrogance. You've got to be kidding me. You bought into that and not going, well, you bought into it, Michael, for 44 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean yeah. That's, she's way more, I don't get in people's faces. Like, I don't go over there and, and get in their face, but inside I'm going, idiots. <laughs> but that's terrible. That's it wrong. Is. It's not it's, Jesus It's not at Jesus all. at all. I'm just no. being honest here. I know, I love it. <laughs> so Honesty's good. Yeah, Honesty on the Theology Doesn't Suck podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to also understand that I feel I was betrayed for 44 years Mm. And religion said it was one thing that it really isn't. And so and there so is some of that real human anger that comes up. Yeah. And and there's pain and life experiences that we haven't gone into that that, mm-hmm. that are some of those in-the-ditch stories, you know. Uh, Basically, all hell broke loose. We won't go into it, but all hell broke loose when I left yeah. uh, in a way. And so. so, you know, it's tough. And you have Mormon bishops counseling you to get divorced. Um, <laughs> that happened with the yeah. bishop. Yeah. And so, you Another know. Another convenient you, argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's hard. And so I think you carry some of that pain um, and and we are, you know, need to pray more that God will soften our hearts to, to just love everybody, including and forgive the people in our past who have hurt us and mm-hmm. people who currently continue to hurt us, you know, like it's hard. So I just don't want to be hypocritical and be like, hey, man, yeah, when we struggle to. So. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. That's a good word. Well, Josh, do you, do you have any questions for them? Um, hmm. Well, you you asked one question. I was going to ask Marty, kind of like, what would you say to you know somebody who is currently still uh, within the realm of Mormonism? But I think um, I just kind of I wanted to get some clarity real quick because I've so I've done some some research. There are actually some books uh, that I, I've been interested in. I haven't purchased them, but I've I've heard. A uh, few people uh, speaking who have left Mormonism. There's a book called Leaving Mormonism, Why Four Scholars Changed Their Minds. Yeah, um, excellent. Okay, cool. And then there's another one called Unveiling Grace, the story of how we found our way out of the Mormon church. That's the yeah. one you should start with. She's one of the four scholars that wrote the other book. Right. Yeah, James Lynn. Um, and, dude, that's an amazing story. You've got to read that first book of how God took a Mormon missionary, her son, and I, just read it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I heard her, I heard her speak on a podcast. Um, okay. she, so there's this podcast I like called unbelievable. It's based out of the UK and they oh. had her and a Mormon debate each other. Um, oh. and it was really good. Um, I can share that with you guys if, yeah. if I would love to see that. um, and if we remember Marty, I can put a link to that in the show notes <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if yeah. I remember, but, uh, yeah, and- so those are some maybe helpful resources, but I wanted to ask uh, just a clarity question because you guys were talking about, you know, consistently kind of throughout this episode that um, there, it's always Jesus plus, you know, Jesus plus works, Jesus plus this, whatever. And you, you mentioned how baptism is something that needs to happen in order for salvation. It's a salvific yeah. act. Um, yeah. But is it true that when you get baptized or before you get baptized, I should say there's a few things that you kind of have to uh, confess to or agree to. And one of those specifically is that Joseph Smith is a prophet from God. So in a way, do you have to go through Joseph Smith to get to Jesus? Is that fair to say? Yes. Yes. In fact, before you go to the temple, one of the questions they'll ask you too to get that little recommend. It's the same with little kids to get the little recommend to just do baptisms in the temple because they can't go through the whole thing is, do you believe that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God who restored the kingdom on the earth? Absolutely. Not only that, Brigham Young, the second prophet back in the 1800s, taught literally that 
nobody will get into heaven without the certificate of Joseph Smith. Yeah. So uh, there are Christians who will come into Mormonism and say, well, I don't need to be baptized because I was already baptized. And the Mormon bishops will say, well, that didn't count, you know. So, for instance, I was baptized in a non-denominational church, and then when I, when Michael was the worship leader and we were working with Marty at, at the church here, we didn't need to get re-baptized. Yeah, sure. it, we were baptized, yeah. you know, and so, and it was interesting to me because baptism is a sign of faith. It's not salvific as a Christian, and so that was something else to, to learn because I was like, what, you know, um, but there, in other words, that would be adding to the sufficiency of Christ if mm-hmm. baptism were specific, and it's not. We don't add anything to what he's already done. And so that's kind of the way we would explain it to Mormons. Once you start adding, you're subtracting. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. perfect. Yeah. That's well said. Well, you know, one of the things, too, I remember you guys had said, you know, earlier when it comes to baptism. So even, Michael, you were saying this is true even sometimes for Christians where we sometimes misinterpret and do things wrong. And there are churches that will say if you were baptized as an infant in an infant baptism believing church, but you're now coming in, you want to be a member at this church that practices adult believers baptism, you might need to get baptized again. And there are Christians. Even <laughs> you never worked at a church topic. like that before, Marty, have you? I have. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, that's an example of how we can all just get it wrong. <clears throat> you know, this is what you do to please and appease God. And yeah. forgetting the whole Bible is saying just the opposite of that. This is what God did for you. Sure. And in fact, I love this. The gospel is not advice. It's news. It's good yes. news. Amen. But every other religion, it's advice. This is what you do to get right with God. But in the gospel, it's this is what God did to make you right with him. <coughs> Trust that. Receive that. That's the only thing that makes any sense to me. I can, I can, I, not because I feel good on my chest. It's the only thing that works. I know my life. I know who I am. There's no other way I'm making it. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Absolutely. And I would just add to that also that, um, I, I've heard of Christians who will get baptized seven or eight times because they're struggling mm. with sin in their lives and they just need a new, fresh mm. start. Yeah. And that, that's, that just doesn't, Again, that's, that's nonsensical. And I understand because as Christians, right, we struggle. Sin comes into our lives all the time and we find ourselves battling with things we thought we got rid of years ago. And so we start questioning, well, am I really saved if I'm struggling with these things? But I think even asking, am I really saved says, yes, you are, because if your sin is bothering you, that's a sign of of a believer, you know? Well, and Martin Luther was, is famous for, you know, questioning his own faith for his whole life and questioning whether he had salvation uh, and many of us would call him one of the fathers of the, I mean, well, the father of the Reformation. Uh, and so, and so to look at it that way, I think is so true. Um, well, you know, Josh, I think we can hire these guys. What do you think? No. <laughs> we've, we've had, we've all had the, our share of, uh, a Skype interviews, I'm sure. So, uh, for, for ministry purposes, um, well, Josh, do you have any other questions for them? No, I just want to thank you guys so much, you know, for your time and your willingness to come in and speak with us. And, um, you know, I really appreciate it, especially too. like, I know, um, not from experience, but just from like hearing your story and hearing stories of others, um, like leaving a faith like Mormonism is, is a scary thing. It's a difficult thing. Um, but I'm just, you know, I'm excited to, to hear your story and, and how God worked through your story. Uh, how Jesus, you know, met you guys where you were as Mormons. 
Um, right. And kind of, you know, as you said, the, the Holy Spirit nudged you out of that or, or God guided you or, or whatever right. language you want to put to it. I think it just speaks to the, the greatness of our God and, um, you know, to the power of Christ and, um, you know, Christ's willingness to, to meet us where we're at. <laughs> I think yeah. that's awesome. So thank you, guys. Final thoughts. You know, we left with two choices. We either trust in our own righteousness, which is not going to get even close, or we trust in an alien righteousness that is not our own, and that's to me the beauty of the gospel. That just, I just, I, I just can't get over the awe of that. Not including the death that he died and the wrath that he took. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget when I had left the church. I had a good friend named Mark who said to me one day, "You're just too obsessed with Jesus." <laughs> and and I and I thought to myself, if you really can say that, we must believe in a totally different Jesus, and for that, I will be eternally grateful. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. you said, Jesus is king. Right. <laughs> the words of Timothy Keller right there for okay. you. Right. We love him. <laughs> well, you know, as, as we kind of, I mean, honestly, like, for those of you listening, like, I wasn't joking earlier. Like, I, I worked with Michael for two years, and I, I you know, I, I played on a worship team with, with Angie for two years, and I went on mission trips with their, with their children. And like, I mean, I've spent like deep intimate moments with this family and like to, 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 to say that we could do like a, like a 12 month series on Mormonism with, with these guys <laughs> and like go into the depths of like, they're just experience. Uh, and then, but just that, just to talk about their love for Jesus. I mean, it's, that's not an exaggeration. Uh, we could spend so long, and so, Josh, before you close things down, I just kind of want to do something maybe just a little bit different than we normally do, which, by the way, Josh, we didn't ask them our question. That oh, we, we asked didn't. Dude, and now, guess what? We're all going to hell because of that. We blew it. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, we can ask it now. If you pay a full tithe, I think you can get. Oh, that yeah. will be good. Okay, that's See, good. Praise and Josh God. and I also have experience working at a church where paying the full tithe, uh, and this was a Christian church, paying the full tithe was a requirement for employment. Um, but uh, we won't go into that. But uh, it's taking so, out of your paycheck pre tax because yeah. God only blesses your tithe if you give it pre tax. Wow. Ooh. Do, you, oh, my do, you, do you want God to bless the gross or do you want God <laughs> to bless the net was the question. Um, so oh, man. of course I want God to bless the gross, but that seems like a silly thing. Um, so our question that we ask every, every guest is what is your favorite hockey team? And everyone has to give an answer. So oh, gosh. Uh, I, I don't even watch hockey, but uh, the only name I know is the Grizzlies. I don't think that's the team. That's basketball, dear. Yeah. It is? Here, I'll, I'll, I'll fill this one. You got it. The Salt Lake Golden Eagles, the 1971 team. Okay. There we go. <laughs> All right. The, the correct. The, I did go to their games, and they did win the little championship within like a semi, you know, like a triple A type baseball thing. They were just below the pros. Yeah. Well, the, the correct answer for every guest is the Chicago Blackhawks. False. It's the Washington Capitals. <laughs> <laughs> or, 
If we can't find a point of agreement, uh, the Charlestown Chiefs are an accepted answer. If you've ever seen the movie Slapshot. <laughs> well, hey, well, I'll put it on my list. <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, the thing that so I'm glad we I'm glad, Josh, I'm glad we remembered to do that because we yeah, would have ourselves it been for, really bad. Yeah, we would have had to record the whole episode. And we would have lost know. listeners. They would have sent hateful emails to yeah. us. Yes. Lots um, of vulgarity. That's uh, right. <laughs> the, the, the thing that I think, you know, to me, and this is maybe now I work in a church now where um, it's OK to follow the Holy Spirit's leading uh, in worship and in Amen. the worship service, um, whereas I've worked in places where that definitely was not OK to go off the script. Um, and so one of the things that I'm kind of sensing through this is that, like, so you guys have laid out your testimony of just like coming out from one place to the other and, and just seeing Jesus as who he really is in knowing the gospel um, and so for anyone that's listening to this episode, there are, there are two things I want to say. Um, if you are, well, I guess three things I want to say. If you're, if you're, if you have family members that are living in there that are kind of worshiping in the Mormon church, uh, and you've been praying for them, um, would you just email the theology doesn't suck podcast email and just tell us that so that we can mm. be praying for them as well? Sure. Um, and then two, if you're someone that is kind of like you've been you've been Mormon for a while, but you've heard this testimony and you are genuinely curious to talk about to talk more about like what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus um, and like why someone would do this. And you've heard this testimony and it's not only compelling, but it's like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Same thing. Would you please email our podcast email and talk to us? We want to be there for you. And answer other questions you might have, uh, maybe like, you know, you know, send questions to Michael and Angie to get answers, you know, kind of stuff um, so that we can get that to you. Uh, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, we we do this podcast for a lot of reasons, but I I think one of the main reasons is it's because we just we want to see people know Jesus deeper. Mm -hmm. uh, But then I think the other one would be maybe you're not a believer at all. And you've listened to this podcast today and their testimony of coming out of Mormonism and becoming Christ followers is compelling enough to you where like, you know, people would do this. They they would, they would take this step that was so scary and so dangerous, you know, for them as a family. And so, I mean, we've all been there. We've all been in those places where we have to make a decision and we know the decision is going to be difficult. And it's going to, as soon as we make that decision, you know, like Michael said, all hell's going to break loose. We don't know what it's going to look like, but we just know that we have to, I mean, if you're that person, again, please email our, us at the podcast today or when you're listening or whatever. Uh, I don't care if it's 2 in the morning, if it's 11 in the afternoon. We want to hear from you because, I mean, it's honestly that, like, one of the greatest things about being a pastor is that you can pastor people in these moments and be there for people as they learn about who Jesus is. Um, and so if, if you've heard this podcast today and you need that and you're just sensing the Holy Spirit moving in you, I mean, uh, don't delay. Send us a message and let us help you. Um, so, Josh, if you want to tell them how they can do that specifically, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so you guys can uh, hit us up on theologydoesntsuck.com. And believe it or not, you could go to our Contact Us page, and that is where you can contact us. <laughs> we try to keep things simple here at Theology Doesn't Suck because I'm not yeah. that smart. And neither um, am I. We need, we need stuff like that. Otherwise, I get lost every day. Exactly. 
And, and if uh, internet or internet, goodness, if email's not the thing for you, uh, then you can hook uh, hit us up on Instagram at theology doesn't suck. You can shoot us uh, a DM, and we'll be happy to talk to you there. Or also, you can find us on Twitter, uh, also at theology doesn't suck, and uh, we'll love to uh, have a chat or discussion with you there as well. And then we do have a Facebook page. Um, you know, theology doesn't suck. Uh, hit us up, give us a like, and then. Uh, for those of you who are interested in having conversation, we have a conversation page on Facebook. If you search uh, Theology Doesn't Suck Discussions, um, we'll come up. There's a uh, cute little question there for you to answer uh, just to mm-hmm. show that you actually have listened to the show at least once. <laughs> and then uh, you can join our group and we would love to, to chat with you guys. Uh, we try to be active there. We're not always the greatest, but uh, we're working on it. So have a little and bit it- with us. And that's actually begun kind of picking up steam lately. Uh, there's been a lot of great conversations around in the last couple episodes. Our episode last week had some great conversation and a couple of the other ones too. So, I mean, it's definitely worth going there and talking about stuff. Cause I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it's a good, good resource. Sweet. Right on guys. And, uh, I think I covered everything, Marty, right? I'm going to, I'm going to put those books that I referenced, um, that were approved by you guys. I'm going to drop them in the show notes. Also, I said I could put that, um, uh, goodness, that podcast Thanks. in the show yeah. notes as well. Yeah, link to that. That's unbelievable. Again, hosted by Justin Brierley, based out of the UK. Phenomenal podcast. Um, and we can go from there. Great. Okay. Thanks, guys. It's been, it's been fun. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you, Michael and Angie. And I want to apologize one more time for saying the word idiot, because I, I really don't believe that down deep inside. I, I feel bad about that one. <laughs> right on. <laughs> working live on your show yeah marty Marty calls me an idiot all the time so don't feel too bad (laughs) (laughs) well sometimes the truth is lovely people they're lovely people sure i i would agree with that my um my best friend uh he is a christian but his mom is a, a mormon she is a wonderful lady and then also a really good friend of mine uh who gave me this book of mormon i have in my hand uh he is also um an awesome and fantastic person. And he has come to bat for me on social media many a time when people have uh, questioned my allegiance to Jesus. So (laughs) I appreciate that. Sweet. Well, thank you again, guys. And uh, I guess as always go caps. Go Blackhawks. Did you say go jazz? (laughs) (laughs) Peace and love guys. Good night.